Sixers, baby. Sixers shocking the world on Monday night. Sixers telling all the haters to shut the fuck up. Hey, it's not too often you get to see me and Ballpark Tommy with the gun show out tonight. I mean, yeah, no, I was, I was going to ask a question. Why are you wearing not an undershirt there, there adult? Because the Sixers are in the uh, playoffs, dude. The Sixers you don't look swole, bro. You do not look okay. swole. I'm not trying to look swole. I'm trying to win games right now. I mean, if we're doing no undershirts, I mean, I, I think I might just take off my undershirt too and show the, the big For the bodyguard, baby. You don't fuck with him. <laughs> Especially if you're a Giants fan, I heard. I heard he's or, or honestly a Celtics fan too. Who? Those are pretty bad too. That guy, uh, Bucci or whatever. He did kind of freeze up when he met you, but we'll get right into it because we got a bunch of people backstage tonight. We got a jam-packed show for you guys Wednesday, May 3rd. Sixers are in the midst of the playoffs. We're talking about the Eagles draft. DeAndre Swift is an Eagle. A ton to break down, but let's go ahead and kick it off with the Sixers. Go ahead and bring in Philly, Brandon, and Michael Thorpe representing the Celtics. I mean, geez, this poor man's got to defend himself. But Philly, Brandon, how you doing, man? Dude, you, I got catfish. You told me you wanted me to come in here, talk talk Sixers, which I'm happy to do. You did not tell me that I was going to have to ruin my Wednesday night in the presence of a sorry Celtics fan. <laughs> I know why you didn't tell me. I understand. I understand. I wouldn't have come if you did. I just don't appreciate being lied to. <laughs> I don't think he's still here. I don't think he even got to hear that because he's on his phone, so he's on and off. So make sure you let him hear that when he comes back. But go watch the live feed. You know yeah, no. Um, I mean the Sixers are looking good, and it was nice Ooh. to get that dub on Monday without Embiid or the and that now they're playing the brandly new MVP. So that's huge. How you feel about it? Yeah, well deserved, one thousand percent. Oh, dude, I, I was talking about this. Um, I got off another podcast. I was talking about the same thing. Um, you guys are all, I think we're all Philly fans here. I don't know if he came back or not. Um, it's, there's a weird feeling in the city right now that we're like, Joel Embiid's better than us at every single thing. Like I look up to Joel Embiid like a hero. And I also feel this weird, like, fatherly pride about him winning the MVP. Like, it's a really strange place to be emotionally. Yeah, I mean, it it, it kind of spoke spoke words when we saw him. The reaction spoke and words, just, spoke volumes. Volumes. There we go. <laughs> Sorry, uh, him crying like when he got the call because that was he's worked so hard. The first player from Cameroon to win MVP. He is, was well deserved of the past two years, and the Joker got it. Um, but it, it's nice to see him what he deserves because that man means a lot to the team and to the city of Philadelphia, without a doubt. Yeah, I mean, it was super cool to watch that clip and see guys like, um, you know, Furcon's been with him the longest. I think right after him was Shake. Um, obviously, you know, James Harden got him the Rolex. And, like, it's just cool to see, like, this team finally feels like a Philly team. And, you know, I know I'm probably I, – I invest myself more in the Sixers than a lot, of, a lot of you guys do, like, throughout the regular season, but – I can never remember the Sixers feeling like a Philly team. Like the like the Eagles are always kind of gritty and tough and like you know, ready for like a street fight. Um, the Phillies last playoffs, like, you know, talking their shit, like nobody can kind of hang with them. Um, when the Flyers are good, they're like that. And the Sixers have always had this like softness to them that was very un-Philly. And finally, this team, thanks to PJ Tucker, thanks to guys like Paul Reed, thanks to Embiid being like a, you know, a, a more vocal leader it finally feels like a team that we can rally around. It's like, yeah, you know, they're one of us. It represents the city better. And I'm just so glad to see 
a tough, gritty, not soft Sixers team finally. And yeah. James Harden, man. I mean, leading the guys, showing them how to do it at the strip clubs. I mean, it all starts on what you do off the court. No, I'm just kidding. But yeah, and you think also- James Harden has a presence that we're kind of like – he's kind of quieter, but I think he brings a lot to the table too. And, yeah, like you said about P.J. Tucker, that was definitely a, a veteran move he had on the bench um, last game where he kind of told Paul Reed, if you don't get these two boards, then we need to talk after the game. And he got those two boards that he needed. So – He's stepping into that leadership role. He's been in the league quite some time. And to see that veteran come out of him and try to teach the younger guys was huge. Because because we had we've always had a good team. It just never seemed to be gelling well together. And I think I think this exactly. team has cemented like that those loose pieces together. Now there's there's leadership. There's these older guys helping these younger guys. So it's 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 huge to see this happening now, uh, without a doubt. Yeah, I mean, you know, even last night, the end of the game, and I mean, I know Dalt was kidding, but like that's like that's Harden's reputation is kind of like, you know, he comes to work, plays his forty minutes or whatever, and then like you know he just goes about his thing, and you know, like game one, the whole team's ready to celebrate, and Harden's kind of like, no, we haven't done shit yet. Like, get back in the locker room, get your head right. Like, that was a big move and not one you expect James Harden to make. Um, but I think he's. I think he's very acutely aware that this is his best shot. Um, you know, this is the most talented team the Sixers have had for as long as I can remember. I think this is James Harden's most talented team. Um, you know, that OKC team early on, but he wasn't really James Harden yet. Like, right. these guys know if they're going to win it, you know, the, the box are out of the way. Like, it's all right in front of them right now. It's, it's, I think it's this year or bust, and that's, you know, yeah. that's why I love it, and that's why I'm scared to death. Yeah, I mean, I it's will. It's a feeling. Yeah, and I said, you know, a couple weeks ago on our show, like, this is the first year I felt, like, confident in this team because, yeah, we were, we were like this the past two years. Oh, my God, the team's so good. They're going to they're gonna win it all, and then they're second round out. Whereas this yep. team that we have now, I feel, like, super confident. This is, like you said, Brandon, one of the best teams we've had in Philly and for the Sixers for in quite some time. Yeah, I mean, look, anybody who's watched this team since – you know, the process doesn't count right in the playoffs. Anybody who's watched the playoff era Sixers, you know that um, this team doesn't win game one any other season. Uh, that's just not the kind of team we had. We were the team where we'd we'd be up 12, we'd be up 14, and we'd kind of survive. Um, at no point were we the team that could be down four the whole game, down two in crunch time. You know, James Hart hits a huge three. Paul Reed gets the offensive rebounds, then then proceeds to swish four huge foul shots. Um we just were never that team. So seeing them do that changed everything for me in this playoffs. This is a different animal. I can't compare it to any of the previous teams because we've never had that kind of makeup. So, I mean, that, that game meant everything to me. We can get blown out tonight, and I'm fine with it because I know they're going to come back in Philly and be fine. I mean, that atmosphere there, the Wells Fargo Center, everything that it brings to the table, they're going to be in a really good position to go ahead and take the lead. I mean, win at home. I mean – they just need to pretty much keep winning at home, um, and then they got to steal one more. But I do think that they are the overall better team, better team than Boston when they're both complete. I think it's narrow. It's a slight edge, but I think that the Sixers have it. And I like what Brandon said. You want to expect James Harden, the guy who wants to go to the strip club on the weekends, work hard, play hard. I get it. But you, you want to expect him to be that vocal 
about it. You know what I mean? Like, hey, guys, come on. Stop slacking off. We haven't even started yet. It's almost like a job ain't done. Kobe type uh, vibe. And it's it's a mature team. And Brandon, you hit the nail on the head. And that might have to be one of our quotes this week, too, when you said it's right in front of them. And I love it, but that scares the shit out of me, too. And I mean, it's all right in front of this guy, too. But that's the piece that I love because I am so confident in this man and what he can do. I mean, I think it's all right in front of him and he's going to take it this year. I really do. That's. I'm glad you said that um, because I know you guys um, live live and die a little bit more on the hot take um, than I get to do on my usual podcast. Um, so I'm glad you brought up, you know, kind of hopping on and beat shoulders to the rest of the playoffs because I think that is the worst thing that we can do. Um, <laughs> I mean, we, we won on Monday without him, so that was a huge step in the right direction. Granted, it was, for sure. He's a hard yeah, one on this team. Go ahead, Sean. Yeah, 100%. I mean, that, that game was huge. And for James Harden to step up like he did and have that vintage uh, showing is uh, very, very special. Um, and now, if I was Doc Rivers, I would have sat Joel Embiid today uh, because you took one in Boston, which was the main goal, uh, and then sent him back for um, Friday. And um, I think I think it's Friday um, in Philadelphia. Yeah. Now, I mean, uh, I, I do believe in the Sixers this year. And, um, I mean, they're down eight. Yesterday at halftime, they were down at six. So, they could 100% win this game. And if they win, if they go up 2-0 in this series, uh, going back to Philly, I mean, this, the electric in that uh, in the Wells Fargo Center is set, second to none with that uh, Philly crowd, 100%. Um, and I, I really do. I feel more confident this year than I did Back in I think 2019 when we played uh, Toronto in um, in the in the yeah. uh, semifinals 100% because I mean that was just the heartbreaker uh, back in 2019 and that was I think our year to win it um, if we if that lucky shot didn't happen but this year I really do think we can knock off the Boston Celtics. Yeah, me too. Um, like I said, you know, winning game on without Joel was huge. And uh, I just want to, you know, I want to clarify before I have people, you know, trying to find out where I live. I love Joel Embiid. I think he's the best player I've ever seen in a Sixers uniform. And if he's healthy, I'm with Dalt. And I think we, you know, we, we saddle our wagon to Joel Embiid and take it as far as we can go. He's playing with a partially torn LCL. Um, I saw a report on Twitter where they, at best, they're going to get maybe 40% of Joel. And as great as he is, and I love him. 40% of Joel is not as effective as whatever we're getting out of James Harden. So I think yeah. I'll give you what he can. Um, you know, he's been great on defense tonight. He has three blocks already. Take the defense, take the rebounding. If he can give you 15 or 20, that's great. But I don't think you run the offense through him until he's healthy again. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I just had to go get food downstairs. Don't think I, I left after you had a take uh, that I didn't agree with. Don't worry, but you're right about <laughs> that. Yeah, I, I pulled a Boston fan, and he's not coming, by the way. Just so you guys know, his phone wasn't working. But you're right. I mean, playing on an injury, I mean, look at it this way. Worst-case scenario, you have, what, 14 plus five. You have 19 games left. Worst-case scenario, right? Yeah. What's the likelihood that Joel Embiid can play 19 games? That probably not likely right now. You know what I mean? So it's like, how do you utilize him correctly? And that's kind of where I get scared a little bit too, because that's not Embiid's call. 
that's Doc Rivers, and that's the training staff's call, and that's where things get a little bit. I mean, yeah, but like it's definitely Embiid's call. He definitely wanted to play tonight. Like he definitely said, "Yeah, I'm playing no matter what." I mean, yeah, yeah. You would say for sure. What are you saying, Sean? No, go ahead, Dalton. I mean, go ahead, Sean. Yeah, I mean, I mean, knowing that he has this injury definitely uh, takes the downside. But I mean, it seems like he's playing well uh, right now. I mean, he's going to step it up in the second half of the game, one hundred percent. But um, yeah, I mean, you got to think about it this way: he stayed healthy pretty much the whole entire season. He missed what seven games. So, um, in my my eyes. I think he could stay healthy for those 19 games um, and get the rest that he needs. I mean, if he would have sat today, uh, which I wanted them to sit him, um, and I knew that they would probably lose because uh, James Harden wouldn't drop 45 again. But, um, I mean, that's that's the main goal is that you took one in Boston, which, which was used, and you set the tone. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I really think that he could play through this um, – and yeah, I think they have a really good shot at winning this. You know, yeah, well said, well said for sure. And that's pretty much all we got for the Sixers tonight, guys. I don't want to take too much longer. I know they're getting back into it. I know that we got a lot of avid fans in here. But Philly Brandon, thank you for joining us, and and tell everybody where they can find you guys too, and give you guys a listen on two hours no traffic. Yeah, man, always always appreciate uh, you know coming by, hanging out, talking a little bit of Sixers. Um, we if you enjoyed you know listening to me talk about basketball for whatever the reason, um, my buddy Spence and I do it every Wednesday right before this podcast, so eight thirty to nine um, Eastern over at Two Hours No Traffic. You can find that on Twitter at Two the Number Hours No Traffic um, live feed every Wednesday at eight thirty, and then they all hit Spotify the day after. Um, but thanks for having me again, Dalton. Always appreciate popping on. No worries. We always appreciate you jumping on. Take care, Brandon. See you, Brandon. If you see me looking, if you see me looking over there, that means I'm looking at the TV because PJ Tucker just hit a three. If you see me looking down there, it's because I want a motherfucking bird call. Okay. And that's. What's up, bitch? How you doing? And that's what it do, guys? How are we doing? Fantastic. Nice, bro. It's good to see you. Hey, guys, man, before we start, before we start, how about that drive? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. How about that drive? And P.S., let's go Sixers. But let's talk about that drive, right? I just want to say this. Sidney Brown, gigantic, thank you for that, but I'm still coming for that ass. 20 pounds (laughs) lighter, I'm still coming for that ass. I love it. Fitz, you know, you know, whenever you're on the show, you always make my day ten times better. So I appreciate you being on. And about the draft, I, I think uh, Howie did it again. I mean, I I told in our chat, a plus on that draft. I mean, getting um, Carter first round, and we moved up to nine was huge. And then yeah. the other picks we had, and not even to mention DeAndre Swift coming to Philly, Philly born baby. That's going to be huge. Yes, you already know. Before I, I give him his, his you know, pedestal, um, he's been injured a lot, but he hasn't played behind our line. And I think with our line, DeAndre Swift is going to be a dog. He's going to be a dog. See, see the, the, the beauty with it is he doesn't have to be the man. That's how you want to get hurt. 
He done had to be the man. You don't have it. You're not going to have. It's not enough balls to go around for you to get hurt. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's awesome. I think the same thing would go with Penny too. I think, like, like who do you who do you not double? Pick your poison. Right. Who do I you mean, not buck up? I'm just worried. I'm just really worried about who's going to stop our run defense because nobody's running through that hole with. Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter on the line, you know, like I. Hey man, it's that it's, it's them new Philadelphia uh, Bulldogs. Now, now let me ask you guys a serious question. I want to bring Ash in for this too. Are you guys afraid of Jalen? And I want ladies first. Ash will definitely take this first. I know what her answer is already, but are you guys afraid of Jalen Carter's attitude, the rumors, anything along with that? Because that was obviously the biggest hesitation in him being drafted. uh, Honestly, so low, I would say at 10. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely anxiety surrounding that um, for sure. I do feel a little bit better that they did talk to so many current Eagles players. And I mean, the, I know that they talked to everybody that had contact with him. I know that none of that crap was going to fly in the NFL. However, there definitely is concern surrounding that. And I did talk about it last week. And I feel like I'm not going to believe it until I see it. Yeah, I mean, there definitely is uh, some concerns on it, 100%. Um, But this is my thinking on it. Like you said, it's not going to fly in the NFL because they're going to be under check. And also, there's really not many places to speed. You can't speed on the Schuylkill because it's always backed up. So, um, <laughs> so, so you know, like I, that's what I feel about it. And he's going to take it more seriously because you know he's he's a big time player now, and he knows that if he gets in, caught up with all that all field drama, you know, uh, then he's going to pay for it and he's going to get fined and probably get suspended in a couple games. So. Um, I feel like they're going to keep him in check, and now he knows what brotherhood he really is in. Let me ask you something, Sean. Coach Sirianni, reaming you out, yelling at you, top of his lungs. Would you ever want that? No. No, not at all, because I know that Nick Sirianni can be uh, like a – a dog like that. Like I know he could like when he's mad, he's mad. You saw him many times in the playoff where he was mad and you don't want to fuck with him. Yep. Right. And I mean, here's the thing. I have one. No, sorry. No, go ahead. ahead, Tom, go ahead. Oh, that's what I say. Have you ever been in the car with Dutch? Dutch knows you can speed. He can speed on any road. Trust me. Hey, so there's plenty of speeding that can go. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, uh, I I I would would do what's called calculated speeding. I just want to say, <laughs> I've never been in a car accident before. Knock on wood, but I'm calculated speeding. I I only pray. I only and for pray legal for, purposes, none of that. This is all parody. Just saying. Sorry. I I only ahead, pray for rosaries when Dalt's driving. That's all. <laughs> Not five. Hey, 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 I'm offended. He got them yeah. cameras on the boulevard, yeah. so he, he he's cool, man. He got them cameras on the boulevard. I know, man. that's Look, true. Dead money that don't was, make no money. And, I'm all so, in with us. The, the city doesn't want to lose out on a dime, so Nah, um, we in there. We Tom, in there. We you, got are you afraid of we, we, got, we got the Kobe Dean there watching him? And like like, like I told you. Who who's thing, watching the Kobe Dean? Brandon Crab and Fletcher Clocks. We in there, bro. We are so in there. So, I love this scenario. So wait, it's like a babysitting 
honor code in the Philadelphia Eagles and Howie Roseman set it up. It's like Brandon Graham watches Fletcher Cox. Fletcher Cox watches N'Kobe Dean. N'Kobe Dean watches Jalen Carter is what you're saying, right? It's a family thing, you know, to the ones with older siblings or the ones who are older siblings. When I was growing up, like, yeah, you was in charge. Like, you watched them. That's what it is. It's a family, man. I think we'll be cool, man. I think we'll be cool. He ain't balling on the boulevard, man. And that's definitely another thing is that he has all of his former teammates with him on that team to keep him in check 100% because – I mean, they're going to get along. They're, the chemistry is there already. So I feel like he's going to get uh, – N'Kobe Dean and Jordan Davis are going to let them step up. See, he might speed like everyone does, but I don't think he's going to pull a Henry Ruggs. That's <laughs> Why do we keep thing. coming back to speeding? Why don't we just get him a fucking septic card for the year? Jesus Christ. Like, <laughs> Is that touchy for you, D? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just saying that this poor man. In Georgia, I mean, people just drive like complete idiots. So, Wait, I mean, did you yeah, guys see say you never drove in Atlanta? Did you guys see in North Philly when the car went through like five ho- like homes? And I saw somebody comment on there, and this is so fucked up. They commented, Jalen Carter has arrived to Philadelphia. And I'm like, this poor kid is never going to get away from, seriously, his whole career. So that's what I mean. Like, Dutch, if you get him a septic Dutch, card, give it to October. Give it till October. Motherfuckers, it's is, is over. Give it till October. That's going away. It's going I, I away. Give so. it till October. I mean, I hope that right. once he starts making plays and, like, I mean, I did like this. I will say this about him. Him and Nolan Smith, literally their second day, and, and we'll kind of wrap up with this, but they're literally their second day. They're at the Eagles Autism Foundation, literally, like, hanging out with kids, making sure that they, they were hanging out. They being babysat. Well, yeah, that's true. They might have been, but hey, fuck it. If that's how they got to get babysat, man, that's what works in Philadelphia. It's like New England, kind of. Do your job. Do it. Let's do it. Guys, thanks for letting me on the show tonight. You know what I mean? I want to give a shout out to to, to Memphis, Tennessee. I'd like to give a shout out to you guys. Gannon, I'm on that ass. (laughs) I'll be seeing you soon. You understand? We might, you know, when when, when August come, when training can't come, we we might pop up. Yeah, you know I mean, because I, I I don't like the slick talking, and 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 I know I was on the fire Howie bandwagon like three years ago, but Howie's my man. That's like family. We can beef. We can't beef with outsiders. No sir. No. Fitz, let me get a one last. See you, Fitz. Bye, Fitz. Perfect. All right, guys. Now look at this, Tommy. I got a little surprise for you, buddy. I made a little, uh, a little. Time for Philly's talk with Ball Pop Tommy. Finger stitch. All right, Tom. We're gonna get in the first segment. In a second. You like it? I- I'm just glad you finally got it right. That it's not. I put it all it on one time. clip to make it fuck up proof. You see Wait, that? Yeah. Right. But I will say, before you talk, Tommy, don't you forgot the intro for the Collins. So you kind of fucked up still. Yeah, well, you know what? Go fuck <laughs> right. yourself because I don't even know if I have no, that. But no, like Cole good said. point four because who do we want to thank for that? El Diablo Burritos, best burrito. What do I want when I'm in the state of Delaware? Of course, El Diablo Burritos. Customer service always is serving your food with a smile on their face, asking how your day is. But their food is phenomenal as well. Their burritos are out of this world, one of the best burritos in town. Their queso is phenomenal. Their burrito bowls are amazing as well. When you're in and around Delaware, 
Stop by your local El Diablo Burritos and tell them that 302 Birds sent you. God bless. Go Birds. Thank you again, 302, or 302 Birds to El Diablo. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, Tom. We texted about it this morning. Um, it was pretty fucking... I can't wait for this topic. I've been waiting all week for this topic. I'm just going to go ahead and take it. Look. You want to bring Casey Whoa, What did you call him? A what? A what? Clear space on your shelf and get ready to bring home a legend when the Phils host the Dodgers on Friday, June 9th, 7.05 p.m. And all fans 15 and over receive a Johnson Controls dickhead, Dick Allen Bobble figurine. Order tickets now at phillies.com. Dickhead, dick in mouth, uh, things on my mind, Dutch. What the fuck? Yeah, on national television. That was I fucking love it. That wasn't you know Kevin why? Tucker. It wasn't? I read an article that said that it was this morning. No, it wasn't. that's uh, Ben Davis. Well, Ben Davis, man, fuck up of the year. It's like, do you remember when, like, everybody is here in high school? You got to get up. You got to do your presentation in front of the class. This is what I thought of. And, like, you, you're, like, up there and you're presenting and you're like, don't fuck up. Don't fuck up. Don't say a curse word. This guy literally had the biggest fumble of the bag, and it was fucking hilarious. I mean, I just feel bad for Dick Allen because he's probably just sitting there kind of like, I mean, I know it's not intentional. That's what me and Tom were texting about, but like, he's probably just thinking in his head like, Ben Davis, what the fuck, dude? Like, what are you thinking in your head while you're thinking about me? Dick and mouse? Plus, like, I feel bad for Dick Allen. Dick Allen, like, if you look back at his career... He's one of the best players of all time that no one ever talks about because of he never got any media attention because he played in like the 50s and 60s when there was a ton of racism going on in the MLB still. Especially I hate to I hate to shine another bad light on the Philly, but towards black players there's in the MLB, Philly was one of the most brutal cities to play in for black players. The there's, clip from 42 Mm-hmm. That happened. Yeah. That's immediately what went in my mind. Yeah, like that was a real scene. Like, but that scene wasn't the unfortunate part. That wasn't really an exaggerated scene. That there was a specific reason why they d- depicted the Phillies in that movie because the Phillies were one of the, uh, like they were the most pretty much the most racist team towards black players. Now, when it came to Hispanic players, they were they were one of the first teams to integrate with Hispanic players. But we were one of the last black players, not so much. Yeah, Yeah. but Dick Allen was a great player, dude. He had a 58.7 career war. I mean, he's not talked about enough. Almost 300 career batting average. It's because he never got any accolades. Like he probably would have won like MVP and all and a ton of All Stars if simply if he just weren't like. It's just because of how racist it was back then. Well, and also the lead, like the least amount of media coverage was back then. Like nobody outside of Philadelphia really knew who the heck he was. I mean, you got guys like Ian Kinsler that are putting up twenty more less than him, but we know who he is compared to some other players back in his time. Like, yeah, I don't know. Most average players don't know who Dick Allen is or anything else along the lines. Like even Mickey Mantle, you can go into that. Some legendary players. I guarantee you go into like a Lou Brock or anything along those lines. Average fans are not going to know. Yeah. So I got a question for Tommy and Casey. Are we pressing the panic button yet? Yes. No. 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 Not one. No. Not at all. I don't think you press just because. 
just because you lost today, and, well, lost the series, and you gave up. It was mainly just Craig Krimble that fucked it up. But um, no, nah. if you think about it right now, what the record is, what? Uh, I don't know. 15, 15 and 17. Yeah, 15, huh? 15 and 17. 15 and 17. So at the time, it was 15 and 13. And the last times they started out 15 and 13 was 1980. 2008 and 2009 so you see a path and I feel like they'll be fine down the stretch Harper he had a great game today he was uh what three for three or two for two three um, for three with a double he was three for three two walks two. Yeah, yeah three for three a single double and two walks yeah so and then um yeah so he's heating up I mean it's only his second game so you got to give him some time 100 but um no, yeah, I, I I don't think it's that panic button yet. Once the weather warms up, I feel like they'll be hitting the ball pretty well. I'm I'm not pressing it at all because look, if we look at our hitting stats, we are top fifteen in every single category and half the time we're top eight. We are one of the best hitting teams consistently right now. Our fielding, which was a scare for me thinking coming into this season, is actually top five in almost every single category. However, pitching has been absolutely atrocious. We're bottom five in most categories, if not top 10 or bottom 10 in all. So that's the scary part. However, when we have guys like Matt Strom that are somehow pitching well, I mean, it definitely blows when Craig Kimbrell can't find a strike zone and pretty much walks the bases loaded and gives the Dodgers a baseball game. Um, look, you got to figure it out. Guys had World Baseball Classic. It's a different kind of start to the season. Last year we were, what, 23 and 29 before we fired Girardi, and we ended up going on a tear. Like we've seen – remember Nationals back in 2019? I mean, it's not an ideal position, but teams have dug themselves out of these holes, and we're just in that wishy-washy point of playing 500 baseball. I'd rather have it now than in September. So so, so from what I've heard past three, four, since baseball started – we're saying that the Phillies aren't doing too well because uh, the World Baseball Classic, because that wasn't a thing last year, and this and majority of the Phillies players, Phillies stars, played in it. So you think that's why we're starting off slow? No, okay. absolutely not. I'm tired of using that as an excuse. That's just an excuse. How come uh, the Pirates aren't on? Aren't doing terribly? How come? Name me one player on the pitching staff for the Pirates that played in the World Baseball Classic. Rich Hill. No, he did not. For what team? I think it was Team Canada, honestly. Hey, but hold on. You had Turner, Schwarber, Taiwan Walker, and Alvarado's been the best reliever in baseball. Oh, hands down. Hands down. And he pitched for Venezuela almost every game. So at some, like, like but then you have Taiwan Walker, who, who looks like he who serves up a home run every other pitch. Looks like he's so, like, down the middle. I don't think. I don't think it has a correlation is what I'm saying. I was just curious. I, I, I don't think it's a huge excuse or like it's the biggest factor of what's going on. I just think that for some guys, the mentality is definitely different from going from a spring training than into a regular season instead of going from spring training to the World Baseball Classic back to spring training or maybe not even spring training again and just jumping right into the season. Some guys can handle that change in mental state. Some guys can't. It might take a little time to adjust. Um, I mean, shoot, our pitching staff's been atrocious. So I hope, I hope it's somehow these excuses are right and they figure it the hell out. And 
And that's and that's not all, you know. You got Ranger Suarez coming back in that rotation, so I feel like once he comes back in, gets warmed up, you know, it's going to help out the other relievers to get some rest and maybe, um, you know, uh, speed it up a little bit and and help the Phillies out one hundred percent. And then later down the road, when Andrew Painter's healthy, you you got to see what he could do because he might be in that rotation over, you know. Um, Bailey Falder or, you know, Bailey Falder might just go to the bullpen. They might just move some people around, but you got to give Andrew Painter a shot too. So I'm not really worried about the Phillies. It's still very, very early in the season. Um, and I feel like, you know, there's still time. I mean, Trey Turner's, yes, he's been in a slump um, and he needs to pick it up. But Cassianos has been ripping the ball. Stotts, of course, doing – what he does. Um, and you know, boom, he, he's, he's stepping up too. So, um, I really feel like they could be hot and cold, but yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, Hey, and like we said last week, it's, it's crazy because Castellanos, this was like his make or break year and he's been playing super well. I mean, he played decent in the what's there in the playoffs, but I mean, this season, I don't know if it's cause, I don't know. His bat's connecting. He's playing well, making good defensive plays. Like, he's playing phenomenal this season so far. Our offense all across the board has been doing great. I mean, even some guys that are struggling, like Schwarber and Turner, they still have really good OPSs. Um, They're all putting the ball in play. They're all getting on base. Um, It's just if our pitching can somehow figure it out and move up to at least top 15 we can start winning some ball games, but it's tough when your offense is trying to dig out of five or six run holes. And I'm going to ask this one last time, and then we can move on. So we talked about this multiple times last season. The pitching was a big issue, and then we thought it got solved in the offseason. I mean, didn't we agree that we got solved this offseason? With the bullpen? Yeah, the bullpen. The bullpen did. The bullpen's really not the issue because you have – Alvarado, who's been pitching lights out. Sir Anthony Sillett's pitching lights out. Kimberl blows. Um, Sir, I already said Sir Anthony. Soto's been good. Other than last night and one other outing in, in uh, Texas, he, he those two were shaky, but uh, since then he's been phenomenal. Oh, um, even had Ortiz, who's been a pleasant surprise. Brogdon's uh, you, actually been really good. Who? Brogdon. Yeah, Brogdon's been good. It um yeah, so all those guys have been good. Like it's really just Kimbrell that's fucked up and Unar Marte as well. He stunk too. But other than those guys, you know, Unar Marte is not even on the team anymore. Yes, he is. He got called back up. Yeah, he did. Was it today or yesterday? Uh yesterday he pitched, I know for sure. He uh, gave up four th- runs yesterday. With Sean's point, like, I think I agree that I think Ranger kind of changes this whole bullpen and this whole pitching staff in general when he comes back. I don't know if he's going straight into the rotation right away, but I think him coming back and having that kind of steady arm, I think that just changes a lot. If we can move maybe Falter to a long relief role, I think he might be able to produce better there, maybe be more of a lefty specialist in that kind of role. I don't think he's a starter. I think he's got good stuff to be a reliever, but I do not think he has starter material or starter stuff. Well, I think that's all we got. Thanks again, Casey, for coming on. You're always welcomed on this podcast for these Phillies. Um, and uh, text me because we want to play some golf this weekend. So, Absolutely. Can't and not wait. Only, 
be on it next time, boys. Thanks again. All right. Thank you, Casey. We appreciate you. Thank you. Yeah, and also not only that, but the biggest thing today, not only just Craig Krimble was in Mundo Sosa making that error. Because if he doesn't make that error, you get out of the inning and you 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 don't give up two runs. Uh, I know it was a hard hit ball, but you gotta you gotta field that. It's a it's almost like a routine line drive, I guess. Um, I mean, yes, it's a hard play to make, but I mean, he got to make it. So I, I don't think it was just all on Crimble uh, to um, or Kimbrel, my, my bad. Um, yeah, to make that. Um, I mean, yeah, he threw it and it was gone right off the bat. So, um, but I'm excited for this home series against um, Boston because Boston's not a very good team. You should get a sweep out of it. Um, and then you got Blue Jays. Blue Jays are a very, very good team. So, and you know what we got for the Blue Jays perfect segment? Thank you, Sean. We got Dollar Dog Night Madness. I will try to be there on Tuesday. Shawnee Boy's going to try to be there. If you see that douchebag on the bottom left of your screen that's hanging out in the crowd of all those sexy dogs, that guy's not a dollar dog. That's all I'm saying. No, I'm just kidding. In all seriousness, I we will be there every time it's fun. I mean, yeah, Philly captain thought that I was engaged when we saw him last time. So that was pretty funny. But I love wearing the hot dog costume. I'm just saying I have three others if anybody else wants to wear one. But – Dollar Dog Night. I mean, it hasn't been a good start, to say the least. The lines have been nuts. Some people have waited eight innings for a dollar hot dog. I believe you can bring in your own hot dog, right? Yeah, but that's not the point of going to Dollar Dog Night. I, I get it, but at this point, it's just getting fucked. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take my ass to Wawa. I'm going to get a couple hot dogs, maybe a dollar twenty-five, a dollar fifty, if you know, like feeling frisky. Bucks. Okay, and... three bucks. I'm a tiny guy, at least. I'm going to get three of them. I'm going to put them in tinfoil, and I'm going to bring them into the game, and I'm going to have a good time. And if I can't bring them in tinfoil, if that's the next thing you're going to tell me, I'm going to put them in a plastic bag. But long story short, Dollar Dog Night is like – it's like we talked about it before, Tom. I remember I said it was like the night before Halloween, mischief night. That's what it always feels like. Like all the fuckers come out on Dollar Dog Night, first Dollar Dog Night. They make the dumbest decision yet. They decide to put Greek night for all of the colleges on the same night of Dollar Dog Night. Place gets absolutely fucked. Like, there's a video of me, Philly Captain, in the parking lot. Yeah, shit's fucking terrible. Anyway, then you got just all the college kids, some kids waiting eight, well, eight innings for a hot dog. Eight innings. You don't even get to watch the baseball game at that point. Then moving on, you have people throwing food, Food fights. It's just been a mess. And who's to Hold blame? On, that's a fake narrative. It wasn't a food fight. We now know the full story. Food was getting thrown at the end of the day. That is not yes. a fake narrative. Food was being thrown, so call it what you want. But at the end of the day, who's to blame for it, Tom? The douchebags in the suits like Dutch. Like Dutch. It's always guys in suits that ruin everything. I got it. You're losing money on. You're actually not losing money on hot dog. Hot dogs still cost less than a less than a dollar. Probably for how much they're buying them in bulk, it's probably twenty five cents. It's then for every hot dog, it probably costs them what another five to ten cents to actually cook it. So you're up to thirty five cents, and then the bun. labor, and then your labor included. There's another 15, so you're up to like 50 cents. You're making 50 cents on like every hot dog, probably. And your bun, too. Don't forget about your bun. That's a cost. I was including that in the hot dog 
And like, then the economy. Oh, you think that they get all that for twenty five cents? God damn! Probably yeah, for yeah. the bulk that they get, and it's called for, inflation. And plus, have you seen the size of the dog that they give you on Dollar Dog Night? It's not the normal hot dog that they give you. It's a pipsqueak dog. Yeah, it's a Lolo dog. Ah, yeah. Well, yeah. we'll see here. We'll see here. I mean, uh, this is my strategy. You get into the stadium pretty early, and then you wait in line right away because then um, you're. Unfortunately, ready to get I have dogs. work now. I'm an adult now, so I can't get there super early. Yeah, yeah and some of us yeah, want to enjoy I mean, the game too. That's not like, a problem. Yeah, that's waiting eight innings. Like, what? When did when did our friend who waited eight innings get in line? I feel like pretty early in the game. He just got he got in right before the first like during the national mm-hmm. anthem. Okay, never mind. I understand that. Yeah, so that's I, I think that's the strategy is to get into the stadium during like batting practice and then get some content in there. Um, but then also you you just wait in line. But um, I did see a like uh, when they were like it was the end of the inning and they were just showing around the stadium like the fan view kind of thing. They there is guys that walk around with hot dogs in the in the bags. Like Dutch said that they didn't. I saw some. Last last uh, dollar dog night, so hopefully they do it again this time because the, maybe they didn't do it the first time, but the they didn't do time it the first did. time. I yeah, can so, guarantee you they didn't do it the first but the, time. But the second time when I was watching because I couldn't make it to that game, um, yeah, I did see um, the one guy. Uh, he was one of the workers um, that carries around the beer and stuff. He had a whole like cooler kind of thing full of hot dogs and giving them out. Fuck. Yeah. So I feel like I feel like that's an easier way to do it now because they noticed that hey, people are waiting this long in line. So hopefully they do it next time and then yeah, it will make life a lot easier. I can see that. Um but yeah, that's pretty much all we got for the fills guys. Um this is actually the perfect time as well to Time for everybody's favorite part of the show, 302 trivia with your host, Jack Dorton, the mayor of Delaware. And again, thank you, Fans Football Network, for that sponsor. Tonight's question we got, uh, or do you want to share the – do we have a leaderboard? Do we or not? Nah, we don't. Yes, we do. We actually do. Um, let me hey. <laughs> let me pull that up. <clears throat> Sorry. Checking in on the Sixers again. They're down 27. So Fuck. Uh, um, yeah, right. it's 92-65, and it's the uh, beginning of the fourth quarter, so they probably did lose this game. Uh, okay, as you can see, we got the fans at four. We got KJ <laughs> at four. We got Sean at four. We got Dalton at four. I think Sean and Dalton at three, so that's boosted. Um, and then we got Ash, the leader, at six. Ash is killing it. She hasn't got one wrong. So, tonight's question, we have. I don't even know tonight's question yet. Uh, it's it's in the chat there, Tommy. Is it? I had technical yeah. issues. Which no, it's Eagles, not for me. <laughs> Tom, listen, listen. Open your ears. Listen. No. Which Eagles player was named NFC Player of the Year in 1980? Again, which Eagles player Easy. was named the NFC Player of the Year in 1980? I'm gonna go with D. Randy Logan. C. Michael or Car- uh, Harold Carma. Fuck. Wilbert. I don't know his, his first name. Wilbert Montgomery. Sorry. That's C. D or B is Harold Carmichael. And then A is Ron Jaworski. So let me read that again. So we got A, Ron Jaworski, B, Harold Carmichael, C, Wilbert Montgomery, 
for D. Randy Logan again. And next week we're going to teach him the alphabet. <laughs> I was trying to switch it up on you guys, and I kind of shot myself. In the yeah, face. but you couldn't do it backwards. <laughs> right, it Tom. went D B C A. You're done. You're done. You know who didn't shoot himself in the foot, Jack, during the draft? Howie. I mean, we won no. the draft, but besides us, who who would you say won? Uh, I mean, I mean, besides the birds, uh, I would say the Texans. Um, honestly, um, that was a power move they had. Number two overall and number three overall. I think that team got a lot better. I mean, I think the teams that needed a quarterback, like the Colts, like the Texans, uh, and the Panthers, I think they've got their hopefully their franchise quarterback. Um, but I mean, this draft, I, I, like I said, other than us, we kind of killed it again, how he's killing it. Uh, but I would say the Texans for sure um, won this draft. They've gotten a lot better and I'm kind of scared if we, hopefully I don't think we're playing this year, but um, no, they got a lot better and it's kind of scary. Yeah. It feels like they're getting back to their roots by picking up an edge rusher, going out and getting somebody like Will Anderson. I mean, it reminds me a lot of the clowny pick, um, kind of like somebody that I think had a lot of hype in the beginning of the year and then goes out and plays and is still got a lot of hype, is still going to be a great player, but just doesn't have all the hype that they had before. CJ Stroud, I think, was a good pick for them too because Davis Mills is not your guy. Go ahead and take a chance on CJ Stroud because guess what? If you suck, you're the Texans you're going to be right back in the top five picks in the next three years. So you can pick a QB then again, but I love the pick for the Texans. I think that they won, but how about the Steelers, man? Uh, Broderick Jones, if that's how you say his name, Broderick Jones. I think that that was a phenomenal pick for them. They go out and build the trenches a little bit. They bring in a couple receivers late when they need to. They just have what I would call a Steelers draft um, and build well. Before and they also got run. Joey Porter Jr. The Steelers now are the franchise of siblings because they got the Watt brothers, and now they got the Herpig brothers. They got Big Daddy Herpig, Nate Herpig on the line, and then they got his brother who's a linebacker, who's a dog. I did not so, even know that. He was from Iowa, I think. I think he's from Iowa. Um, that man, I saw his highlights. He is a fucking dog. I'm kind of scared. Like, that man is insane. So – I think the uh, Steelers have won the uh, franchise for having siblings on their team. And I know nobody wants to say it real quick. Nobody wants to say it. The New York Giants had a good draft, too. Um, Deontay Banks, that kid from Maryland, the safety, he's going to be a very good player. Um, Mm -hmm. Very much reminds me of that pick. I think that they had Xavier McKinney a couple years back was who they drafted. And it kind of reminds me of that. But you know what? All these teams drafted well. But guess what, guys? None of them drafted as well as our boy Howie. Look at him looking down on them, peasants. Yeah, no. Howie did it again. And I think he's getting better as as the, the drafts go on. He struggled with Jalen Rager. And then since then, I feel like he's drafted well. Um, sneaking up to nine to get um, Jalen Carter was amazing. Um, and then Nolan Smith, I, I mean, we're like, like Fitz said it, we're the Philadelphia Bulldogs. I mean, our whole defense is stacked with Georgia Bulldogs. And also we got DeAndre Swift from Georgia as well. So, I mean, I think that how we drafted what we needed, 
we we needed the players that we drafted. He wasn't stupid. Got a receiver that we didn't really need. Um, I think, and him being a snake in the grass yet again, getting DeAndre Swift, giving pennies, giving pennies to get DeAndre Swift. I mean, this man is just a dog. And I think a lot of the other GMs in the league are like not too happy with him about something that happened after the draft. I, I heard, I saw someone on ESPN. Um, but again, this, this draft class we have, I think it's going to be really good, really good team. I mean, we've talked about Jalen Carter is going to be a headache, but I mean, with Fletcher Cox in, in the locker room with him, I mean, we have a lot of veterans on our team that will make sure he's in his spot and he's not doing stupid shit. That's, that's and that kind of pisses me off too with the other GMs like saying that eh, Howie Roseman, he's getting us. Do your fucking job if you don't like it. Like that is so fucking middle school. Just fucking be like, hey, fuck, wow, holy shit. The Lions were dumb enough to give them like DeAndre Swift. Shit, like show some respect because I mean, like, absolutely just finessed some of these teams. Or the secondary option is stop letting him fleece. I mean, a fourth-round pick for DeAndre Swift is probably one of the biggest deals in recent memory. And not only a fourth-rounder, a fourth-rounder in 2025. So, like, that doesn't really – like, that's two years from now. Come on. Like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) um, Yeah. So, yeah, we got him for a bag of chips. What are you thinking, Ash? Yeah. No, I mean, I was really surprised by all of it. I – I will say I lived in Georgia last summer and people in Georgia have, in my opinion, more pride in their Georgia Bulldogs than they do in the Atlanta Falcons. Like you see way more like UGA fans than you see a Falcons fans. So I have actually seen a lot of my um, UGA alumni friends posting stuff about the Eagles in the last week or so. And that's been kind of fun to see. So, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And then another thing, another thing that I don't see in the graphic is, Tyler Steen. Tyler Steen is most likely going to be your starting guard um, because, you know, uh, he's he's a big boy. He's 6'6", um, 320 pounds. And, I mean, that's that's a question mark right now. I mean, yes, you could put Cam Jurgens there or you could put Jack Driscoll there. But I feel like they're – I mean, look, we got Stoutland University on our hands. And Stoutland he's gonna, you! He's going to form them into – one of he's going to form him into a great player. So I feel like once he gets control a little bit of him um, and get goes through the training camps and mini camp and and OTAs, then then yeah, one hundred percent, he'll be a, a good player. I mean, he came from Alabama, so Alabama is a great great team. Uh, so yeah, I feel like he's uh, going to be pretty good for the Eagles. And one thing I just want to highlight here, too, before we move on to our next topic, if you guys take a quick look at this graphic, um, and if you see that gray line down the middle, the very thick one by the zero, that uh, everything to the left is what's considered a steal uh, on a scale of 1 to 15. The closer to 15, the bigger of a steal it was or the better of a pick. Everything to the right of that gray line is considered a reach, so a pick that wouldn't have been good on a scale of 1 to 30. Um, so like obviously, big Dallas one all the way to the right was a terrible, terrible pick. I don't disagree with you, Tommy. Um, I, I think that you're right, especially for where they got him. A lot of Dallas fans will disagree. One of the picks that you immediately think of as well 
is the Jameer Gibbs pick. I mean, immediately when the Lions picked him at 12, everybody yeah. went, what the fuck are you doing picking a running back at number 12, let alone it's not Bijan Robinson. Like, this guy would have been there at 30. You could have traded back and gotten more value. Um, Jack Campbell, again, the Lions, but they're confident in their guys. And then a lot of people said Anthony Richardson as well was a reach. And I don't know if I agree with that, disagree with that, because here's what I wanted to say about this graphic, and I want to get your guys' opinion. I don't think that it's necessarily fair for critics, and I get it, we're in the media, we have to. Like, that's how we eat. But I don't think it's fair or we should take these ratings as seriously in the NFL until these players pan out, because every NFL team's needs are different. Um, Some teams need a quarterback. Some teams need a tackle. So I think where you pick some of these players, you can't really blame teams, in my opinion. Interesting. You uh, you say you don't worry about the stats or the numbers because you always are infamous for posting stats on the show and like, oh, my God, this is so cool. I don't really think those stats matter. Like you just said, you got to see how they play in, in, the, in the league. I mean, you're 1,000% right. But I just wanted to – hit that point because you always are the stat guy and you just kind of because the stats are what tell the story. I'm just saying that you can't say as far as they go to the NFL. Also, I I, think that the stats do matter just leading up to the NFL. Like once you get there, I think it's all on like, okay, you made it now you're here. You're in the building. Now you got to restart. You got to go earn the rent every day. I I just want to give a quick shout out to Ryan Swope because what he's spitting right now in the comments is facts. So, Ryan, I appreciate you watching the show. Everything you're saying is 1,000% accurate. So, appreciate But I do, I do not agree with the last one that he just said, is that Jameer Gibbs is going to be the offensive player of the year. You're forgetting right. it's the whole offense. You, you, I mean, it's all the offenses in the league. So, you got to think there's still Jamar Chase. There's still Justin Jefferson. There's still Jalen Hurts. You know, there's plenty and plenty of options. I mean, there's Christian McCaffrey. So, like, you, you, I mean, to say that a rookie is going to win Offensive Player of the Year, that's a stretch. And, I mean, I with with going back on the Lions pick, picking Jameer Gibbs, I know that they wanted to uh, uh, ship off DeAndre Swift. But I feel like they should have gone wide receiver or some more defense because, you know, they're um, – I forget his name. The one receiver is – suspended like five games or something like that because of gambling yeah. i think yeah um so i feel like you, you know the the lions are a great team and they're definitely a sleeper team because they had a great season last year but i don't think they have enough talent to uh to play up against the eagles or uh, so, well last year they did hold their own in the beginning of the year sean i will say i was going to say this i think ryan meant Rookie yeah, offense rookie. player of the year. Yeah, rookie yeah, offense yeah, player. Yeah, so that, yeah, there you go. Yeah. That makes more sense. I mean, he definitely has a shot at winning rookie rookie offense player of the year, 100%. Yo, what's up, bitch? How you doing? Hey, boys. How you guys doing? Hey, I'm great. How are you feeling when you saw this shit? Uh, I think he's a perfect fit. I think he's a really great fit. I think he's perfect, but uh, I would have rather had a bigger back, but – I'm happy with them. I mean, I just don't think Detroit really knew how to use them, but that also what we said about Rager and everybody said, like, 
you know, you remember Viking fans saying like, oh, we don't know how to use Rager. Let's show you. And then they bench them after two weeks. So I'm actually really nervous on this trade. But at the same time, I think DeAndre Swift is good. And he's a homeboy, too. He's from the city of Philadelphia. So I think he's going to play his heart out. There's no doubt about it. He's from St. Joe's Prep. Is he going to fit the system is the question. Can he run between the tackles? Is that the is that the question? Or do we have to rely on Penny on doing that? So that is like the main question I have. Let me ask you this. Um, he's a good receiving back. Yeah, no, he's good at the slant and things like that. Um, do you think, okay, in, right now, in your opinion, your own opinion, even though your opinion is shaky at best, who do you think RB1 is going to be? And RB2, you think, and then, and then it's going to be Penny or you think it's going to be Gainwell? Gainwell in the third down. Okay. Okay. I was just curious because Penny's in short, short distance. Um, I think he's going to be running through the tackles, but I would really like to see Swift run through the tackles too. Mm -hmm. Because we have some, or I mean, between the guard and center, because we have some of the best guards and the best center in the league right now. (laughs) Like to use them. No, I agree. 1,000%. I think Swift is a better running back than Miles Sanders, though, hands down, night and day. Don't we all agree on that? I think. And if Miles Sanders just had that good of a year behind this offensive line, and this offensive line just got more depth, if anything, I I think the sky's the limit. I know. Like, this is the dangerous part about Swift is he could catch the ball and he could run routes. Miles Sanders could not. Miles Sanders could not get out of the backfield and catch a ball. Swift could go, actually go out and run a route. That is like the most scariest thing about this. Like literally, who? All right, you're going to guard Swift. You're going to get AJ Brown. You have Smith, and then you have uh, Dallas Goddard. Who's going to worry about now? Hurts running the ball if it's an empty backfield. Now you have a middle linebacker, or are you bringing down a safety, and then you have NJ, AJ Brown screaming down the line? The RPOs are going to be insane this year. It's going to be absolutely there. Nobody's going to be able to stop that offense. I mean, there there definitely will be, but I mean, they're just a solid offense. And um, I mean, you you break it down. I I love the move by bringing in DeAndre Swift. Yes, he's had plenty plenty of injuries, but you got to break it down. They have DeAndre Swift, Rashad Penny, then you got. Kenneth Gainwell, then you got Boston Scott, and then Trey Sermon on there, uh, or whatever his name is. Yeah, yeah, Trey Sermon. I have a question oh. for you guys. If you have to cut one of those running backs, who are you cutting? Boston Trey Scott. Trey no, Sermon. Actually, Trey Rashad Sermon. Penny. Rashad Penny. Yeah, for I would cut Why would you? No, no. Trey Sermon, you yeah, got to cut. Because you, you, ne- you didn't really see – I mean, he's he's an okay back. But he's younger, though. That's the thing. Yeah, like, Rashad yeah, Penny. Yeah. How old you know is Rashad Penny? Penny is really injury prone. Penny, yeah. yeah. Penny tears. Scott Penny's been in the league since like fucking 2016. That's my concern. Yeah. yeah. He's 27 years old as a running back. He's the same age as Ezekiel Elliott. Do you want Ezekiel Elliott on your team right no. now? Probably not. No. I'm just putting no. it in perspective. I don't want Dutch either. He's too thin. All right. Here's, here's <laughs> That's a head of Kate. I think Zeke is actually better than Penny. Like, I'd rather have Zeke than Penny. Yeah, no doubt Zeke's better oh, than Penny. I'm yeah, just but saying. I don't want Zeke or Penny. Come on now. And that's surprising, I'm too. not saying that. Okay. And that's a, I, thought, that's I thought you were talking crazy. I'm just putting it in perspective yeah. saying for eight, you know what I mean? Like, age. I'm just saying I don't want any 27-year-old running back personally because yeah. of age. Yeah, 100%. I mean, that's also crazy, too, is that uh, Zeke – didn't get picked up yet by any team, and that's very, very shocking. But like I was saying, 
uh, I think they have a very, very good running back core. And to split reps with each player, you know, it limits the injuries 100%. It definitely does. And with this offensive line, you know, they're going to protect. They're going to protect. So I don't think uh, – I mean, there's definitely possibility. But, you know, like he said, that he's going to run hard because he's back in his hometown. But like I was saying, with those five running backs that you got right there, they're paying like $6.3 million total for all of them. And they're paying 6.9 million for just Miles Sanders over in Carolina. So it saves so much money um, just to have that many running backs. And, you know, it's, it's Deandre Swift wants to prove himself with this offensive line. He's, he's, he's right there, you know? Um, So I feel like, yeah, let him do his one year thing. Right. Yeah. Like you go out, prove it. Can we talk about that? Go ahead. I feel like, they're in a good situation. Can we talk about that question Ryan asked? About yeah, the, let's, let's cue it back up. It's long, but um, there you go. All right, I have actually a great one for this. So please, if you want me to go, go take go it, go. If you really think that our linebackers aren't good, you're actually insane. Nicobe Dean was actually ranked the number one uh, linebacker in the last draft for the pass. He actually had all five interceptions with Georgia with that defense. And, and then you have White, who actually played a safety. By him, by those two, they're already pass active players. Who, Kaiser White? He left. Now, uh, what's the other linebacker that we have? Help me. It's like n- fucking nobody. I think Edwards is is he Ed- gone Edwards too? Is gone. Yeah. yeah, Edwards is gone. He's in Chicago. Yeah, we have Nicobe Dean. Like, that's it, pretty much. Yeah, that's why he brought it up. I mean, I think Kobe Dean is actually a great middle linebacker. I think he's like going to be a top prospect in this year. I think he's going to be doing great. Um, I don't. I think another thing is we're going to have Ringo probably turn to safety, and then I think Blackenship is going to be out. I think Sydney Brown's going to take that over, and I think that team is going to play a lot of cover one. It's going to be man to man, and I think Sydney Brown or Ringo is going to play uh, right up on the inside uh, wide receiver. Yeah, no, and I mean, what's one thing? We got no Kobe Dean, right? We haven't seen him play a start game at all. Um, We've seen him in preseason. And, I mean, it's a big role to fill. Yes, he's a dog. He was a dog at Georgia. Um, But who's going to be that tandem with him? I mean, we don't really have a hole. We don't have have one to fill in that hole. And I feel like, like Ryan said, like, they're going to have to get the ball out quick. I mean, our – front four is going to be coming down like their throats. So they're going to get the ball out quick. So I don't think we're going to have to worry about the pass that much because our front four is going to be insanely good. Yeah, I'm with Nady, baby. 127 more days till kickoff. And I can't well, wait for the season the to start. That you saw, buddy. But, I mean, Nicobe Dean wasn't on the field. You can't say, did you see, when you say half of the players that aren't on our team Team wasn't on the field. You have Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith. Let's talk about it. And it's also his rookie year, too. I think. I think that they're and, and Gannon was our defensive coordinator. So one thing, Ryan, I think you gotta ask is what is your leader saying to you before the game? Because we've talked about it before. Jonathan Gannon literally said, Um, I don't have a fucking scheme. So imagine just going up to your coach and being like, Hey, coach, like, what do I do? And him just being like, planes pew pew pew. you'd be like what the fuck you'd probably do what like buddha baker did and be like peace i'm fucking out this guy's nuts so 
I think Sean Desai is going to be more of a, a relatable leader that these younger guys are more comfortable to talk to. And it's definitely not a weirdo, too. Yeah. I just – I think I think our defense is just stacked, tell you the truth. I, if you can't run the ball, you're not going to be able to run the ball against our D, especially between the tackles. Uh, I think it's just going to be insane. And I think – you just play man to man, and you have Ringo there as the safety and Brown, or you put, and then you have Maddox, uh, and then of course our two like best corners in the league right now, Slay and Bradbury. It's like, okay, we're we're stacked, we're ready to go. I think I would rather take our secondary over the Cowboys when I'm looking at thinking about it right now. Yeah, we have Gilmore, who's like thirty, what three, thirty four. Yeah, that's not going to happen. I don't. I just think we're the best team in the NFC East and the NFC altogether. Yep, hands down. And it's not even close. And I think that that's why Howie's saying to these younger guys like Jalen Hurts, "Hey, we're going to put all our chips in on this year because we know that Aaron Rodgers was a dipshit and just left, and the NFC is wide open. Somebody from the AFC is going to come to the NFC next year and is going to make it more difficult. Like Kirk Cousins might be our biggest competition." Their car might be our biggest competition in the NFC. That's a joke. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I agree with that. I mean. The Raiders. Uh, wait, don't, don't. Can you say it again? What would you say about Derek Carr? Derek Carr might be next year. This will be like the A.J. Brown take. And, look, I do not want this to happen. But when I'm looking around at the Saints team, the way they draft, Derek Carr's got a chip on his shoulder, too. I think that it all just makes sense that – and in that division, I don't see any of those teams really getting that much better, including the Panthers. I think that they're going to have mistakes. So I really think that the Saints are going to end up winning their division and will be a top three team in the NFC next year. Top three. Shit. What? what? Stop. Go ahead. What? Laugh at it now. I got a time machine. A top three in the you... NFC. Not the NFL. The NFC. So that you... means, hypothetically, hear me out. That they have to win their division, but they just have to be better than the next team that wins their division. So if it's, let's say, you got... I think it would be either the Lions or maybe the Seahawks. Like, the Seahawks, then again, like, Geno Smith is their QB. I'm not sold on him. They Maybe they got a little bit better at wide receiver, but QB is the orchestrator of the offense. I'm not sold on Geno Smith. I don't think the Seahawks are going to do it. Cardinals are having a down year. Packers, Aaron Rodgers gone. I would love to see Jordan Love take off, but I'll believe it when I see it. Lions, fuck Jared Goff. You guys know how I feel about him. They're a gritty team, but the Lions honestly might be one of the biggest competitors in the fucking NFC too. I will give you the Saints will probably be top 15, top 10 at best. In the NFL. Yeah. That would make they them a top – they could be a top three team then. The I didn't say that they're going to go far in the playoffs. No, I just think that they they're going to have a good record. The playoffs. Are they going to make the playoffs? Yes, or yes, no? yes, they will make I the playoffs. So I think so too. I think Derek Carr's got a chip on his shoulder. He used. You guys remember the quote Derek that he said? Derek has some weapons on that team. What has Derek Carr done? Please, please explain to me. That Derek one season before he got injured, he lit it up. It was horrible. Vegas was hard. They're a horrible organization. They always been. 
All right, that's that's the hottest take of all hot takes, Dalton. Dude, they have no. All right, I, I'll I'll stop. Don't worry, we'll talk about it later. But well, I can well, see we're putting Tommy to sleep. So should I run it with Jack's trivia? Oh yes, please. Time for everybody's favorite part of the show: three o two trivia with your host Jack Dalton, the mayor of Delaware. I think I was talking for all of our fans there. Like, <laughs> all right, we were going into stupidity. <laughs> okay, which Great. okay, the question of the night was which Eagles player was named the NFC player of the year in 1980? A. Ron Jaworski, B. Harold Carmichael, C. Wilbert Montgomery, D. Randy Logan. And I will say okay, Sean, Tom got it correct. Sean got it wrong. And I Ash again got it right. So the answer is that Ron Jaworski. And Dawn got it right, too. I'll get words, too. Ron Jaworski was the answer. And I'm not sure if anyone in the comments got it. I said Harold Carmichael. Yo, but off topic, Sixers lost by 34, 35. I knew it was bad. My God. um, Yeah. We come back to Philly and uh, get back on it. <laughs> Fucking Xavier. First thing this dickhead does is come here and has to talk shit to us. I'll handle this one real quick. Like, Xavier, we might have lost tonight. But you know what, buddy? You got to come play two games in Philadelphia. And you guys are only 1-1. We could leave going to Boston being up 3-1 to if all goes well. You got to come into our house and come with that same energy. So, okay, you might have won the battle, my friend, but you need to still win the war. That's all I got for you. So, uh, this kind of concerns me now. We, we put MB back in the lineup and we lose by 30. That, uh, yeah. that you guys are looking way too hard. You took a, you took a, one game away from him. I'm I'm fine with that. Hey, you I lose. get it. I get it. He's like 40% at best, maybe 55, but like. Yeah. I, I'm saying you you go to Boston. It's a hard place to play, no matter what. That's true. Baseball, basketball. We got one. Anyway, we got one. you got one. Yeah. Take it. If someone yeah, tells sure. me, "Hey, you're going to win one in Boston in two games," take it. Come back, win another two, play it out. Mm-hmm. Let's go. I'm I'm happy with that. Yeah. I, no. I I mean I was from. I'm the... not worried about it. Not worried about it at all. We took the themselves when they lost without Embiid. I think also that Boston sort of overlooked that game. They're like, oh, Embiid's out. This is going to be a game. And you know what's crazy? That 30-point win they had, Jason Tatum was quiet. Like, he didn't score that many points at all. He had maybe 15. Dude, I mean, I just think we were so unorganized. I'm blaming this loss on Doc. Oh, shocker. Yeah, I'm blaming on Doc. It's it was horribly coached game. I will say somehow I don't know how they won the other night, especially with the referees giving Tatum every call as soon as he if you looked at Tatum funny, it was a foul. They literally threw Harden into the second level of the media underneath the basket and there were no calls. All right. Well Tom Tom, I, I get that. Street but ball, didn't really call shit at all. What are you talking about? That should have been Maxie a Maxie was in foul trouble. That should have been a flagrant one on uh, <laughs> PJ Tucker by fucking hitting Tatum in the cock. He wound it up, <laughs> hit him in the cock, and there was nothing. Like he blatantly wound up and hit him in the cock. That's a flagrant. They didn't call it. He did wait, not wind up. Where did he hit him? In where the cock. 
<laughs> he did not wind up. It was not malicious. I mean, dude, he his arm was back well, here. He definitely saw him driving. I'm just saying. I don't. I, I think the refs called a good game. I think they called a horrible game uh, in favor of Boston, and somehow we won. Tatum only had seven points. Tonight, by the way, Tatum didn't play that great either. But I mean, no, the referees just help him. All right. Well, do you anything crazy. else? Called? No, that's all we got, baby. So you do all the right. honors. Frank, I love you. You're. I, I wanted to see you for last Friday, so I was a little upset you didn't show, show up. Oh, that was the whole story. I talked to Dalton about that. Well, he might swing by that. soon, so stay tuned. Anyway, I'm not at my house. I'm in Maryland right now. So, Josh, if you can hear me, it's an outro, not an intro. Hit that outro, please. June 15th for a dick hit a dick yelling bobblehead. I'll fuck the shit out of it.